Welcome. I'm Leslie Canham. I'm Mary Gavoni. I'm Linda Harvey. I'm Olivia Wan, and together we are the Compliance Divas. Welcome to this special edition of the Compliance Divas podcast. We bring clarity and simplicity to compliance by navigating regulatory compliance issues to keep you on course. You can subscribe to the Compliance Divas podcast through your favorite podcast channel or on our website at thecompliancedivas.com. Any of the resources that we will mention during this podcast will be found on our compliancedivas.com website under the resources section. And if you have questions, you can submit them to the Compliance Divas at support at thecompliancedivas.com. So the reason for this special edition of the Compliance Divas podcast is that California has their own emergency temporary standard on COVID-19 and also a standard on airborne transmissible disease. And so we're going to rely very much during this podcast on our superstar resident California expert on regulatory issues for dentistry, Leslie Canham. And she's going to explain to us what this California ETS means, what kind of updates there are to the ATD standard, and how dentistry can be exempt from this standard. And we'll have input from the other divas as well. But before we get started, I just want to mention that there have been updates to CDC guidance for healthcare settings, not specific to dentistry, but to all healthcare settings as of April 27th of this year. And we will have those listed as a resource on our the Compliance Divas um, web, website. And there's a lot of questions about, do we need to wear a mask? Do we still need to practice uh, source control when we're not actually in a treatment room with a patient? And the answer to that question is, yes, you do until the CDC changes its guidance. And we're expecting any day now uh, an update to the dental um, guidelines the specific guidance for dentistry, but the current guidance that is in effect for us in dentistry says that when you are not treating patients, not involved in um, a dental treatment setting, then you must wear a face covering. It, it even says it could be a cloth face mask, although many people don't in a dental practice. But the update from April 27th says that if you if everyone on the team is vaccinated and you are, for example, in your break room and you're eating, you do not have to wear a face covering when you're not eating. Or if you're in a meeting and everyone on the team is vaccinated, you do not need to wear a face covering. But for all other times, when you're out in, even in the hallways close to the clinical areas, you still need to be wearing a face covering. So, Olivia, let's start with you before we get to our superstar, Leslie. And can you talk about the screening requirements? Um, and what about, do we need COVID-19 plans? Do we need a hazard assessment? What types of things do we need to do? And how do they apply to California? 
Well, in juggling all of the guidance and OSHA requirements, we understand that everyone who enters the dental office, whether that's a patient or it's a guest that comes with the patient or a vendor, staff members, they should be screened prior to entry. And if they had symptoms suggestive of COVID, they should not be permitted to enter the dental office. Now, with that said, if an employee is vaccinated, fully vaccinated against COVID, they would be relieved from screening. So it's really key that we be in compliance. Some are misled to think that with the OSHA's emergency temporary standard, that they are relieved of multiple requirements as it relates to COVID. But the fact is we are required to have a COVID plan, and that is reiterated by California OSHA, that we should have a written COVID-19 prevention program and that identifies the COVID-19 health hazards and include the policies and procedures to correct any unsafe or unhealthy conditions that employees are subjected to. And I think it's interesting that they point out that we should reserve time, adequate time for hand washing and cleaning frequently touched surfaces and objects. So we really can't practice at the speeds that we practiced before according to these requirements. And also Mary, it points out that we should have effective training. So not just putting somebody in front of a video, although video training could be uh, very helpful, but we need effective training and instruction to employees on how COVID-19 is spread and the different infection prevention techniques and information about COVID as it relates to benefits and affected employees. Uh, keep in mind that the employer has every right to exclude an employee from entering the workplace who has symptoms of COVID-19 for the protection of the remaining workforce. Also want to mention that California has some great resources available when they are putting together their COVID plan. The California Dental Association has a COVID-19 prevention plan and as it is suggested, you know, review it and modify it to match the needs of your dental practice. So I think there's some really good resources that we can tap into for those that are listening from California. Leslie, how can you help us? Well, yes, you know, it's very interesting that the majority of the phone calls that I have received lately have to do with uh, why are we still screening patients when uh, all the restrictions have been lifted in our state? And why are we still asking patients to wear a mask? They're concerned about that too. They don't wanna wear a mask when they come into the practice. And I think that the bottom line here is that uh, number one, we're still following CDC guidelines for masking as Mary mentioned, but we're also making sure that we are uh, following all OSHA regulations. And at this point, OSHA is uh, it really the authority that is citing dental offices for violation of COVID-19 prevention plans. And oh, I just wanna make a slight correction. Um, the California Dental Association has an injury and illness prevention plan that they are currently modifying so that it includes some of these new OSHA requirements, but uh, the Cal OSHA website has a beautiful COVID-19 model plan that is a fillable document, and that resource will be available on the Compliance Divas website. 
Fabulous. Thank you. Thank you, Leslie. I think the the confusion um, started so um, uh, many months ago when the CDC started slowly easing up some of the the mask requirements and so forth for public settings. And many people in dentistry believe that if they don't have to wear them in public. They don't have to wear them now when they go into a store, if they're vaccinated, that they apply. And they forget that in those documents, it clearly says they do not apply to healthcare settings. So I've heard from a number of clients in the past week or so that say that their patients are really pushing back at them. Why do I have to wear a mask? I don't have to wear it when I go to the grocery store or whatever. And we just need to tactfully and gently remind them that we are a healthcare setting and we're different. And we are following all the CDC guidance to make it the safest place for them to be treated. And hopefully they appreciate that. So Linda, help us understand what we need to know about the rights of unvaccinated employees because they are protected in the emergency temporary standard, are they not? They certainly are. California's emergency temporary standard protects those individuals, those health, dental health care workers who have chosen not to be vaccinated for, for whichever reason. And those individuals who are not fully vaccinated may request from their employer um, to use respirator masks for voluntary use. And that has to be provided to that individual at no cost. And it has to be provided without any fear of retaliation or discrimination from you know, their coworkers or their employer because they've chosen to ask for this. And so as such, it's very important that there's more um, awareness to the whole aspect of having a true respiratory protection plan and ensuring that the rights for the unvaccinated individuals are fully executed. And so another aspect of this is that COVID-19 testing for employees who are not fully vaccinated um, and exposed has to be provided as well. And that's provided at no cost to the employee. And it's during, uh, it's considered to be paid time as well. And the employer must provide the individuals with information on these types of benefits. So I'd also like to mention the fact that when the unvaccinated individual is asking for uh, to use the respirator mask, we want to be sure that we are using N95 respirator masks because it's very important to think about the Food and Drug Administration's bulletin from back in April uh, determining and uh, informing all of us that there's no longer considered a shortage or crisis capacity for N95 respirator masks. And if we remember that last year, we went from being in our conventional capacity straight to crisis capacity with such a shortage of N95 masks and other types of things, which we mentioned in a previous podcast, shortages of disinfectant wipes and so forth. But I liken this analogy to uh, a stoplight where you've got the red, yellow, and the green. And life before COVID was all the green light. We could place an order when we wanted. It was delivered when we needed it. It was just in time purchasing. And we didn't have to have large volumes of uh, different supplies in our, our practice that we didn't have space for. But we went from conventional capacity last year straight to crisis capacity of not having enough product and not being able to buy the products when you needed them. So that being said, now the Food and Drug Administration is assuring us that we are back to more of a contingency strategy and capacity, which is that yellow light on a stoplight to continue with that analogy. 
So we are not supposed to be using and reusing, extending the use of the respirator mask and being sure that we are using a NIOSH certified mask, which is which is specified in this Cal OSHA emergency temporary standard. So using, um, not using KN95 masks and be sure that you're using an approved NIOSH mask. And then one other point that I'd like to make is that when it comes to uh, training the individual or providing this individual who's non-vaccinated uh, with information, the employer is required to provide Appendix D, which we will also make available on our website. But this is a reminder to that employee of how to effectively wear the protection and um, make sure it's properly selected and properly worn. And it's a couple of reminders that we would come to mind automatically probably would be reading and heeding all the instructions provided by the manufacturer and then being sure that you choose a respirator that's certified, which is what I just mentioned, that it's NIOSH approved and not one that's a KN95 mask, for example. So these, this type of information should be in their respiratory protection plan. And ideally, the individual should have fit testing and medical evaluations, although it's not particularly required when the individual is doing this in a voluntary fashion. Leslie, I think I need to ask you a couple of quick questions here because I think we can go a little deeper in these areas. What are, what are some other thoughts that you might have? Well, you know, first of all, I wanted to put a little urgency on uh, everyone understanding that last week, and I'm this broadcast is uh, on uh, June 21st, 2021. Last week, we had the federal emergency temporary standards that uh, many of the dental associations had uh, provided information to their members and to the public that dentistry was largely exempt from this particular standard. Now, uh, Olivia mentioned that there is a flow sheet that we, of course, will make that available. We have that available on our last podcast, but we also wanna be aware that it includes certain things in California that are actually part of another standard. So California's emergency temporary standard, which is actually made effective on June 17th, and the governor made an executive order that, uh, that it didn't have to go through the Office of Administrative Law for review, which normally takes 10 days. It was effective immediately. And being more stringent, uh, it requires that dental offices and all businesses uh, follow the steps very carefully. So um, let me go through just a very uh quick part of the uh, new standard, and then also talk a little bit about the uh, aerosol transmissible disease standard, which is a standard that we've had in effect here for a long time. So uh, the standard protects unvaccinated individuals in a dental setting. It's extreme danger for someone who comes in contact with SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19 uh, and has no basic protection. So Cal OSHA says that the dental employer, and, and not dental employer, but all employers, have to protect the unvaccinated employee. So that's where we have a list of fully vaccinated versus unfully vaccinated individuals. You know, the federal OSHA ETS or emergency temporary standard was released last week. That was around uh, the middle of June. California released the its own uh, brand of the emergency temporary standard for all businesses with employees who have face-to-face -face contact with other employees or the general public. Now, the California emergency temporary standard is more stringent. And while the 
federal standard largely exempts dental settings uh, from the screening process, the new California OSHA standard offers very limited exceptions for any industries at this time. So there's another standard that California's uh, dental practices need to comply with, and that's called the aerosol transmissible disease standard. So the emergency temporary standards have one set of guidance, but that's for all businesses, where the aerosol transmissible disease standard is primarily for healthcare settings or others who work in industries where they may come in contact with someone who has an undiagnosed aerosol transmissible disease. And I'll briefly explain that standard and how it requires dental workers to screen patients in order to be exempt from the standard. And the bottom line, is that there's four promises that a dental practice has to make in order to be exempt from the aerosol transmissible disease standard. These are the four promises. Number one, dental procedures are not performed on patients identified as having an aerosol transmissible disease. Now, we're screening our patients, so hopefully we're able to screen out the majority of aerosol transmissible diseases based on CDC's guidance for screening a patient who has active infectious TB. There's a list of aerosol transmissible diseases that is on the OSHA website, and we'll make that list available to uh, everyone with our resources. Uh, one of those is SARS, which was severe acute respiratory syndrome that we first found in about 2003. And uh, there's other aerosol transmissible diseases, something that you may be more familiar with, like measles or chickenpox or, or varicella disease, shingles. So uh, we want to make sure that uh, we are screening patients and many dental practices skipped this requirement, actually kind of ignored this whole standard. And uh, many of my clients that I visit for the first time, they bring me in for bloodborne pathogen and hazard communication training, but they weren't aware of the aerosol transmissible disease standard. So the second promise that dental practices have to make in order to be exempt from the standard is they have to have an injury and illness prevention program in writing that gives instructions on how to screen patients for aerosol transmissible diseases. And that's actually uh, in line with the CDC recommendations for screening patients for TB. Now, also, along with having this written plan, the written plan that it is, by the way, available from the California Dental Association. I believe that's a free resource from their website. So we'll make that link available to our listeners as well. But the screening process has to be performed before any dental treatment is performed on a patient. And uh, employees have to be trained. The third promise is that employees have to be trained on how to conduct the screening process and aerosol generating procedures are not performed on a patient identified through the screening as an ATD risk. That's the fourth promise. So what do we do when we have a patient who has an emergency? Now, remember again, we're supposed to be doing the screening. In California, that's been a requirement since 2009. So in our circumstances, let's say that we have a patient who needs emergency palliative treatment. So if they are suspected of having an aerosol transmissible disease, care should be provided in a facility like a hospital that has an airborne infection isolation room. 
and it's negatively pressured relative to the corridors where air is either exhausted to the outside or HEPA filtered if recirculated. And of course, standard surgical face masks do not protect the wearer. Uh, dental healthcare workers have to use respiratory protection, which means an N95 or better type of respirator. So this would be the guidance that's in, been in place since 2009. A long time before COVID-19 hit the streets here, we were introduced to that uh, in 2019. So the aerosol transmissible disease standard pretty much covers the screening process that we have been introduced to when our dental practices uh, were introduced to COVID-19. There are a few other things that I want to mention about the emergency temporary standard that California uh, has now actually put into place. And so fully vaccinated employees without COVID-19 symptoms do not need to be tested or quarantined after close contact with COVID-19 cases unless they have symptoms of the illness. In, regarding uh, testing, employers have to make COVID-19 testing available at no cost uh, during paid time to any employee who's had close contact in the workplace unless the employee was fully vaccinated before that close contact and remains free of symptoms for 90 days after uh, a positive test or onset of symptoms. The employer has to make COVID-19 available, the testing available at no charge during paid time to symptomatic employees who are not fully vaccinated, regardless of where the exposure occurred, whether that occurred at work or whether that occurred in the community. Now, the previous standards required testing to be provided to all employees regarding a, a vaccination status. So now that has been changed for uh, fully vaccinated individuals. The employer also must consider using portable or mounted HEPA filtration systems or other clean air systems uh, and also review the California Public Health Department's interim guidance for filtration, uh, ventilation, and air quality in indoor environments. And by the way, that is a CDC uh, recommendation currently at this time, and I anticipate when the new CDC guidance becomes effective, uh, which we are expecting eminently, any day we'll have new CDC guidance for healthcare, for dental healthcare settings. And, and they have a, a section that I'm sure will be in it again. I'm, I'm waiting to see, but you know, it talks about uh, making sure that you improve air quality and air exchanges and filtration. Uh, it also talks about making sure that you consult with an HVA technician to uh, improve the air quality and, and try to uh, be careful of uh, uh, demand controls for air conditioning and ventilation systems. Dis uh, disable that. It talks a little bit about the rationale behind that. Uh, it also talks about how to move air with fans and uh, to use uh, the theory of moving clean air to less clean air areas. And of course, if you can have outdoor air brought into your practice, if you have windows that are openable, we want to make sure open that you can open. Openable is not a word. Uh, so that's a, a lot of what we're, they're uh, looking at with the new temporary standards. And uh, I believe that uh, that leads me now to uh, our closing comments. I was wondering if any of our divas had questions about the regulations in California. 
Leslie, I would just like to comment that there's, the changes are complex and they are different in some ways than the federal law. So I, I think um, in addition to this podcast, I would certainly steer anyone to, to speak with you and, and talk with you further to be sure that they are in compliance because this is very serious business, whether you're in California or any state, and compliance is not optional. So they really need to have a trusted resource, um, Leslie. So thank you for all this great information today. There's one other thing that I want to point out is that uh, in a dental practice, a lot of times we think about the CDC guidelines and uh, how that affects us as clinical team members. Well, I want to just reiterate that in California, I think the big aha for me with the COVID prevention plans that are required for all businesses is that in a dental setting, we have administrative team members that don't go in the clinical area, that do have face-to-face contact with other individuals of the public. And so we really do need to follow not only the CDC guidelines for healthcare settings, but we need to follow the COVID-19 plans for all businesses because we do have those team members that fall into that category of of clerical rather than clinical or administrative team rather than actual performing dental procedures. So the biggest takeaway, please, everyone in California, follow the COVID-19 prevention plans. There's a model plan. It will be available as a resource that you can uh, click on. The plan is easy to fill out. In fact, uh, Cal OSHA has gone so far as to put in red font where you need to put your practice name and in red font where you would put the practice administrator's name of the program. So you can go through this whole list. In dentistry, we don't have to worry about travel and transportation and lodging, you know, there's other industries that do, they even tell you, you can skip these sections and you can use this COVID-19 prevention plan as a basis for your training. As Olivia said, the training is absolutely essential. Dental practices are being cited in California by OSHA. And the the most recent information we have from federal OSHA on the National Emphasis Program is that dentistry is number two on the hit list for being targeted for investigations on COVID-19 violations. Thank you so much, Leslie, and all of the compliance divas for that amazing, helpful information. Leslie, you are such a fabulous resource for our colleagues in dentistry in California. If you have specific questions about this special edition podcast, you can send those questions to Leslie at thecompliancedivas.com, and she will work her magic and answer your questions and get you resources. All of the resources that everyone mentioned for the podcast today will be in the resources section on the compliancedivas.com website. So thank you again for joining us for this special edition, and we hope that you'll join us on our next podcast.